man, that increased my confidence so much. Like, oh, this is all subjective. It, it's not about what you think about what this person thinks. It's about do you, and you will attract everybody to you that you want to attract to you. Listening to the Wedding Safari podcast with your host, Milton Launch Jr., and this is episode two. On this show, we help both aspiring and seasoned wedding professionals build the business of their dreams by leveraging relevant business tips, strategies, and interviews from some of the top wedding professionals from around the world. Full disclaimer the Wedding Safari team fundamentally believes that there's enough wedding business out there for anyone who wants it. Furthermore, We all have to get started from somewhere. Having the proper map and compass to guide you through the wedding safari is what we're here to do. Let's get started. Wedding Safarians, this is Milton Launch, your host for the Wedding Safari Podcast. I'm telling you guys, you guys are in for a treat. Listen, we have the destination wedding planner extraordinaire, Miss Ophelia Knight. She's an internationally recognized destination wedding planner with over 20 years in the business. She is also documented as the first formally registered wedding planner on the island of Jamaica. Recently, she launched a second business called the Destination Collective, which provides back and support for you know other wedding professionals that are conducting business within Jamaica. Lastly, she's one of the f- founders of the Jamaican Wedding Professionals Association designed to help cultivate the careers of local wedding professionals on the island. So I say all of that to say we are talking to royalty. I want to welcome to the show, Miss Ophelia McKnight. Hello. How are you? <laughs> I'm extremely well. So, guys, if you guys don't know Ophelia, and I actually met doing a, a conference um, down in New Orleans uh, in December of 2016. And uh, we're both a part of a group called uh, The Coterie, which is a subcomponent of the Mona Lucci Bride magazine. And so that is a nugget in and of itself. And I say that because many times, you know, new and aspiring wedding professionals are trying to figure out how to navigate through the wedding safari and can't figure it out. And so I met her at a conference. And so that's one of the big things that um, is extremely important if you want to grow your business and that type of thing. And so you know, I will start off with that. You've been in the industry for over 20 years and you've seen the, the industry grow through many facets and that type of thing. What do you think kind of the current state of the destination wedding or destination wedding environment in your perspective? You know, what are you seeing uh, from the destination space? It is growing like wildfire, first of all. I mean, it's probably the fastest growing segment of the wedding industry. And that's important in and of itself, but so much more for smaller islands who really focus on tourism, on destination weddings, on arrivals. Um, It's the lifeblood of a lot of Caribbean countries. And so for smaller countries, I mean, obviously there's, you know, destination Europe, et cetera, et cetera. But for the Caribbean, that is, you know, great news, big news. Um, It also means that the industry itself is having a lot more interest. There are, there's a lot more interest from the main wedding industry in to about destination weddings. So a lot more vendors want to get into destination weddings. There is now the possibility of traveling all over the world with your clients, regardless of where your local is. And of course, you know, that hits the spot for most of us professionals, because who doesn't want to travel, you know, and have some international work under their belt. So that's one thing. But what's more important is that it's beginning to shrink the entire industry a little bit as well, because there's a lot of exchange of information. So no longer are weddings just local. Professionals are moving around. They're moving to different countries to be trained to see what what's on the international scene, what their clients are seeing, which is really important. So that makes for a very, I think, vibrant industry, a lot more activity than we've seen in a very long time, which is exciting for everybody. Awesome stuff. Okay. So let's take, let's go back. Let's go back to, if you, if you don't mind, that first three to four years, you know, the wedding safari attracts both aspiring wedding professionals who would love to be able to, you know, maybe get their first destination wedding. And it also obviously attracts people who've been doing weddings for years. If I'm brand new or when you were brand new, just getting started, how did you attract your customers? What were some of the things you did early on to build your business, to get your name out there so that brides would even know that you were a wedding planner 20 years ago? Okay. Um, I guess I have to say that it was a lot different (laughs) for me. I mean, my situation 
was much, much different because, again, we didn't have a wedding industry, per se, on the island. Um, at the time when I became a wedding planner, I'd say I it was, you know, almost by trial and error, just kind of we bumped into each other and it just worked out because there was really nothing to offer here, not for local brides. And certainly destination weddings at that time was basically the purview of hotels. Clients would come in, they'd connect with hotels through travel agents, and that would be the destination wedding. So there wasn't that personal, custom kind of wedding planner on island to create a custom wedding for a client coming in. So when I got started, it was more so I think my business found me, but only because I was the only one. So, it, you know, as word of mouth, really, there wasn't a lot of advertising. I mean, it's so funny. I mean, SEO was just not available. There were the internet was there, but it was still it was the trending thing. Everybody was learning what to do. So certainly that wasn't even something that I considered right away. A lot of it was referral, word of mouth. And of course, you know, eventually it got to the first destination couple and so on. So thankfully, a lot of my business has been built organically by word of mouth. I mean, it's amazing. I just had a client send an email in like two days ago, referencing another client from 2009 that had her wedding here. And is a friend and you know so it, it warms my heart when I get those so I know it's a little different for me but I would say in the environment right now for a lot of planners who are who want to get into the destination wedding space a lot of it is I encourage them to visit the destination huge yes you want major point exactly you want to get into destination visit come on vacation play tourist do exactly what your clients would do if they were coming into the destination so you have the sense of the client point of view and then after you have the client point of view when you come in you know reach out to professionals here find a professional association go through the tourist board connect with you know any local organization that has professionals and just you know say i'm coming in, this is who I am and this is what I'd like to do. Meet with people, talk to people. It makes a world of difference before jumping in to say, hey, I'm coming in as a professional to work. It makes sense to do some research. I know it sounds very, you know, normal that you would do that, but a lot of people don't and it makes a huge difference. So they say com- they say that common sense is not common and I can tell you for as a destination wedding photographer, I know it's not common. How important, you talked a lot about, you know, reaching out uh, to a local professional in that country, whether it's Trinidad, Jamaica, St. Kicks, in, in, all throughout the Caribbean. But then it's not to have to be just the Caribbean. It could be in somewhere, you know, in the East, in Europe, or, you know, Australia, whatever the case may be. How important is it to build those relationships early on before bringing your bride in, into a specific country? Because we may have somebody that's listening to this podcast where they was just asked. You know, many planners today is not like they, you know, they aspire to coming out of college and I'm going to be a wedding planner. You kind of fall into it. And so now you're sitting here and I have this wedding that's going to be in Jamaica, Trinidad, or whatever the case may be. And I have the furthest clue as the do's and don'ts uh, before I come into the country. How important is it to reach out to, and what will be your recommendation once they do reach out? What are some of the things they should be doing when they reach out to a local professional in the area? Okay. So, I mean, to take the first point of how important, it's extremely important. It's necessary. If you have, when you think about your brand and who you are as a wedding professional and what you do and why the client hired you. The client is hiring you for your brand, for what they see in your local that you're doing. You have to be able to execute at the same level in destination for that client. And in order to be able to do that, you have to have a team on the ground. You have to have support. Whether or not you're actually physically working with somebody else to produce your portion of that wedding, the collaboration, the day of, that team effort on the day of just to pull together a flawless wedding is important. So relationships are super important. And a lot of things are very, you know, they're nuances of culture. There are things that you need to know about a space, about a country, if you're coming into work. You know, you people will, you know, they're cliche things. People will say, well, you know, if you're going to Mexico, you have to be aware of siesta time. Well, no, they don't all stop at two o'clock and have a drink and have a siesta. But at the same time, they have, it speaks about their mode, how they work and, you know, how you encourage them and how you get what you need to get done. So I say very clearly to everybody, island time in Jamaica is not a myth. It's not a myth. It's 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 very real. (laughs) No, it's very real. So, you know, you have to give yourself extra time, appropriate time to get something done. 
you're certainly not going to be able to send an email. Hardly likely you're going to be able to say, okay, I need X, Y, Z now in a very North American way and get it at the same time. You're going to have to build in time when you're working in Jamaica. Right. It's a little fast pace. And, you know, so these are the things that you have to know. And you also have to kind of realize that as even though Jamaica is a small market relatively, there are different portions of the market because there are those professionals that really support the hotel industry on the North Coast. They are preferred vendors. It's a very different environment than professionals in, say, the South Coast in Kingston who do more custom work. So it's very different, their outlook. So you have to know what kind of vendor you need to support you, manage their expectations, have a conversation, you know, all of that. So it bodes well if you take the time to make sure that the people that you want to work with or that you are going to work with are going to support your brand and do business in the way that you do business. So you said something that was pretty funny. Um, my family's from Trinidad. And so I'm very well versed on, you know, island time or whatever they call it. Can you give like an actual example? I know this is really off the cuff, right? Could you give like a nice, you know, uh, example of something that would happen in North America? Because I think it's relevant. Something that would happen in North America. You use the email as an example because we're very, we very much expect if we send an email that you would turn it around in a, you know, in a fairly decent amount of time, 24 exactly. hours or less. Jamaica, how would that work out? <laughs> I always laugh when I hear that. Like, you know, every time I go to a conference or I'm sitting on any kind of business development, kind of anything to do with North American training. And, you know, it's always the thing is, you know, you're not in business if you're not turning around that email within 48 hours. 48 hours is still long. You should try to get to it within 24, 36 hours and so on. And I think, OMG, that's so not destination. It's so not destination Caribbean. 72 hours is if you're lucky. One of the things I do right off the bat is manage my clients' expectations about that time. Okay. Every time I have an initial conversation with my client, I tell them right up front. For every... Every correspondence, every time you need something, if I'm not, if it's not information that I know that I'm taking out of my head and giving to you, if it's something that I have to go find, mm -hmm. it's going to be a couple of days. Okay. I've got you. It's going to be good. It's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Just don't stress about the timeline in which it happens. So if we're talking about a specific thing, you know, we want to get together and, and put together a, a, a menu mm -hmm. for consideration for your offsite wedding. Uh -huh. And, you know, I'm going to tell you it's going to take, you know, three or four days for my caterer to turn that around. Uh -huh. And that's Time. That's real talk. It's, you know, it makes sense. And I think most clients are happy with knowing that, okay, you've told me you, I'm going to have this in four days. I'm good. I just don't want to not know. And then you drop off the face of the earth and I don't know if we're still on board. Sure. You know, so managing their expectations is key. The more you know about the culture and the nuances of the destination that you're working in, the better you're able to manage your client's expectations. So if you're not frustrated your client doesn't feel that you don't know what you're doing or you don't have a handle on dealing with their business because if you're as frustrated as they are and you can't advise why this is happening, then they're now going to you know, wonder about your professionalism. So it really makes sense for you to invest in knowing what you're getting into so you can manage your client's expectations. So early on, so you, a great, great answer. Early on, you talked about prior to you know, booking in a, in a specific destination, a location to, to go and visit that place. Let's just say that they have, maybe they've come there to own vacation. And now they're saying, well, you know, Ophelia, I want to start attracting those types of brides. Okay. You pretty much have built a lot of your business through word of mouth because you, you know, you weren't the first wedding planner. You were just the first registered wedding planner that was there. How do I position myself? What, what is the, in, in, in today's term, how do I position myself so that I can start attracting brides? Because you have brides attracting, you know, reaching out to you from all over the world. How, how do I do that now? How do I, how do I position myself so that I can start to attract brides, destination brides uh, and that type of thing? Okay. And you know what? The first thing I always say, which almost seems like, okay, that the most moment but the first thing you have to do is tell brides that you're available for international work wow. you is there, is, there, is there a specific keywording that you would use in your title I, or i think with your seo and so i mean saying that you do so as a, a photographer international photographer destination wedding photographer available for international travel those kind of phrases 
I think are very important for you to put because you already have a market within your local. You might not know it, but the same client that has reached out to you to do a wedding in your local is also the same client who's going to reach out to me to say, you know what? I would really love a destination wedding, but I don't know if my people can travel. I've never done this before. I'm nervous about this. I don't know if I want to do that. So at the same time that they're looking at you and reached out to you for a local, they're also looking at me and saying, okay, tell me that I can do this comfortably in destination and I will come into destination. So they're looking for that information. They're looking for somebody to manage their expectations. And I'll tell you this much, the client has connected with you, you know, in Maryland to do their local wedding. And they happen to find me in Jamaica and say, I'm thinking of doing a destination wedding. You better, you know, know that you're not having that client in Maryland and that take them to Jamaica. Um, But I want to be able to reach out to you and say, hey, here's what's happening. I have a client in your local they're looking at a destination wedding. However, she is really concerned about her pictures. She wants a certain style, look and feel. And I think that works with her. But also what's great is she wants to be comfortable. She's not comfortable in front of the camera. So she would love to be able to meet with you, do her engagement shoot, do her engagement party, so on and so forth. So she's already comfortably working with you. So it's very easy to segue that into destination. As a travel agent as well, a lot of the times I encourage my clients, if there's a particular particular vendor that they want to take with them, then once we discuss that up front, then I'm able to work it in so that there are, when there's group bookings, there are um, complimentary, you know, flights based on the number of guests that they might have booked and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And so we're able to work that into them bringing their vendors without really hitting their bottom line and their budget. So there's a lot of that conversation that happens early. But what I would say is for the professionals who want to begin to attract that business, put it on your website, put it in your social media, let people know that you're available for that kind of work. And once those requests start to come in, there are specific destination bits of a lot of the magazines. They do have specific, you know, destination sections, seek out those blogs. And even if you're not doing a full wedding, like, you know, you know, this, like I've seen you do a lot of shoots like I think you know you go somewhere and you you're on vacation you're elsewhere try to collaborate a photo shoot do something that's showing you working in a different destination it makes a difference Absolutely. So, you know, to piggyback off what you're saying, you know, it, you know I teach photographers uh, this this very thing. If you're vacationing somewhere, um, or it, even if you're not vacationing, you know, Southwest has really, really, you know, sweet deals from time to time. Fly mm-hmm. into that destination, coordinate a style shoot. It could be a small, intimate style shoot, and that would means the world. Um, you can you can submit that style shoot for a publication, um, and even you're using it for your own marketing collateral, social media, your website, and things like that. And so once they see you in that destination and then you give yourself that title it's a self most for most people it's a self-proclaimed title until the work shows up another way to do it and i'm not sure if you agree with this is assisting you know reaching out to those local vendors in the area and said hey listen i'm in the u.s but i'll be willing to fly in to come and assist you if you're having a wedding or whatever the case may be just just to show show the behind the scenes me working behind the scenes and doing those types of things i cannot tell you how many weddings that i've done that just to show the behind the scenes because people when they see it it it, it makes all the difference in the world. So I, I agree with you. Yeah, I, I think that showing your portfolio and, and those types of things is, is, a, is a great way to be able to do that. Collaboration, you spoke about that. And you know, positioning yourself uh, to be able to build real relationships, solid relationships within, within the community. How important is that? I cannot talk about that enough. I, in my own business, just in general, extremely important. As, a, you know, as an island girl, when I moved to North America 18 years ago, if I did not have the idea that collaboration was what I needed to grow my business, I probably would have let this go a long time ago. It's so important because, you know, from my point of view, I knew nothing. I literally, the wedding business found me and I was running it by the seat of my pants. I had no clue what I was doing 20 years ago, nothing. I had nobody to to pitch. I had nobody to follow, to shadow, nothing. I was just like straight laced. Oh my God, this is happening. And it's happening in real time and you just have to roll with it. So magazines. And at that time there wasn't, there were resources online, but mainly the wedding business were magazines. So I had magazines coming in by the ton load. And I literally would plan a wedding by sitting with a client saying, Okay, which pictures do you like? Okay, we'll try to do this. We'll try to do that. You know, fast forward to moving to Toronto and 
realizing that there was a completely different way of doing things. They're completely different. See, there's so many people that I looked at their work and I thought, oh my God, if I can produce that this level and so on and so forth. So, I mean, immediately I found a local wedding planning training company, the Wedding Planners Institute of Canada, and I did a course with them. Yeah. And that kind of, I would say, allowed me entree into that industry, the collaborations and the alumni association. So the people you meet along the way that have been trained before or, you know, are part of that association help you along. And I volunteered to work with other coordinators in Toronto. So I you remember said you volunteered. You said you volunteered. I'm sorry? You said you volunteered, right? I did. I volunteered okay. because I needed to connect with people. And because I was, my business, I've, I've always been such a loner in my business. So I volunteered and I did, you know, I did anything. I did show up and, and sweep up and it didn't matter. I was out there. I was getting the experience. And then as I realized how important training and collaboration was, I tried to make sure that I was you know, investing in at least one major training for the year. And then I was meeting other professionals and you know, after a while, they're like, oh, Jamaica, yeah, we want to do something with Jamaica. Oh, we just didn't know, you know, where to go, what that. And then that started a conversation. And then the collaborations came together. It was like, okay, so we want to do this, you want to do that. And it's part of the reason it allows you to build your business and branch out in areas that you probably didn't even think of. Because I became a travel agent because I realized that now I had a need to offer or offer my clients the same level of service dealing with their guests that I wanted them to have the same experience. And I thought, okay, the only way I'm going to be able to control that is to have it under the same umbrella. So I became a travel agent because I had worked with another travel agent who just had a heart for weddings. And I thought, oh my God, this is perfect. So then I, even though I became a certified travel agent, my heart was in planning, but that travel agent became the wind under my wings you know, for a while. So that collaboration happened and it just, it just snowballed. So, you know, you give to get, you, you are always, and that's the other thing, you know, you don't go to a collaboration hands out, you know, you go to a collaboration saying, what can I do? What can I bring to you? Or to, this is what I do. How can I help you? And the minute that you let it go like that and it flows like that, you don't even have to ask, you know, for somebody to help you. They'll come back and say, Hey, you know, X, Y, Z, I see what's going on here. How can I help you? And that's how that works. Extremely important. You can't grow as you, you need a team. You need a tribe. And it doesn't mean your physical group of people who are in your space who are executing with you from the you know, point of view of a planner. But it means that almost, you know, bigger group of tribe of people who will support you, bring you business and also help you along as you're as you're growing. So, so yeah. And, and so I, I cannot tell you the amount of business that I get today from collaborations and, and even to now building a new platform, building the wedding safari platform, reaching out back to people that I've either worked with, um, I've shared knowledge with, or they've, they've poured into me and it's going back and just re rekindling that. And so, uh, you know, I, I think what you were saying is, is extremely important. So you've seen the good, the bad and the ugly, right? We're going to pivot a little bit. Okay. And so, you know, one of the, one of the reasons why I created the wedding safari platform, a podcast and, and other things that we're going to be doing is that we saw a lot of education that was out there within, within the industry and people just was not being real. Right. They weren't really getting into the facts um, or getting into to, to, it was this kind of very Pollyanna sunshine. Everything was always perfect and well. And, you know, you see the outside, you see these beautiful pictures, but you have no idea what's happening behind the veil, what's happening behind the, the, the curtains and things like that. I want to start with the positive. What have you, you know, you've worked hard. What, have you, what would you say one of the most rewarding things that you've been able to experience for being a destination wedding planner for over 20 years? What would you say one of the most rewarding things that has happened? I think it's, it's, it's freedom for me. It's, it, I guess I, I would look at that in two, in two ways. I mean, there's the intrinsic personal value of freedom, doing my own thing, marching to the beat of my own drum. Mm -hmm. I think maybe because I started this business so young, I just, I've never morphed into a good employee. <laughs> I don't know 
how to be a good night fiver. I'm a horrible, horrible employee. I mean, I've done a few nine to five jobs. I was terrible at them. I don't take direction well. I, I'm always trying to fix something. And it's like, no, 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 this is how we do it. Just do it this way. Mm-hmm. And I have a hard time with that. So the freedom to be able to be comfortable in my skin, do what I, what I, I know, do what I like and know that I do a good job and being able to, you know, somewhat make my own hours. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, you know, I'm able to, you know, sit cafe latte at 10 in the morning and every morning I'm rolling out of bed at 11, you know better. So it's like, you know, but just being able to, if I have to work at 3 a.m., I'm fine. I'm working at 3 a.m. and it's okay because, you know, I can switch around something. So that's really, really important to me, to my lifestyle, to how I flow. And it's given me the opportunity to, you know, spend time with my kids. I it really rule the the time that a lot of people complain about not having with their children and, you know, especially when they're younger and so on. And I have been able to be able to do that, which is amazing. The the second thing, I think, you know, the second level is just to be able to help somebody else along that growth, along that path. Okay. Um, in 20 years, I have had so many people reach out to me for mentoring, even at a time when I thought that I was completely not, you know, I, I asked myself, do you really think you can take this on? Do you have enough? Do you have the information that they need? But you know, I've always said, you know what, let me give what I have. And to be able to watch people who have come in, grow and move and, and become shakers and movers. Mm-hmm. And to see people who've gone on different trajectories and just become amazing in the industry and do different things. And to be able to count them as as friends, as mentees, and get to the level where, you know, in their face, they're at the same level, sometimes even way ahead of, you know, because they've gone through the stratosphere in their area of the wedding industry is amazing. And then, you know, to be able to take that back and say, you know, I can see the value of my information. I can see my work. I have put together a certain body of knowledge that I know that I can help somebody else along. That for me is just, it's huge. It's very rewarding. So I'll ask this question because you kind of hit on this. Do you have any training or coaching courses where if someone wants to get into the destination wedding space and want to get better well-versed in that type of thing, is there a place where they can come and learn from you or, you know, any type of platforms or anything like that? Well, so, I mean, (laughs) there it's in the works. I am working on a course, an Mm e-course for destination. Weddings. There is a lot of information on weddings in general um, out there, but there's not too much specifically or focused on destination weddings. And mm-hmm. I'm trying to fill that space. I'm trying to pour into that gap. It's been a hard project for a couple of years. And to be honest, you know, it's been a little nerve wracking trying to get that out. I keep telling myself, okay, it's not ready. Okay, I need to add this. Okay. All right, let me go back to this. <laughs> and I know there are certain people who keep saying, come on, you're procrastinating. Let's get this out there. But are you on island time? Is that what it is? <laughs> <laughs> I've been on island time. <laughs> I've been on island time, but it's there. It's, you know, ready to go. I'm looking at the fall uh, 2017 as a rollout for that. But I'm also working on a few speaking engagements. So Trying to tie up the dates for that, but I know for sure in June I'm going to be in Dallas. You have an ex- um, do you have an exact date for that? Because I like to put that in the show notes. Uh, I can confirm that in a few days. Ten- right now, it's the 26th of June. Okay, um, but it's still, it's, it's still, t- it's still tentative at this point, right? Yes, okay. I do need another week or two just to tie that up. Um, and I'm going to be doing kind of a little bit of slow roll through a few major cities in the U.S. We're probably going to hit five cities all told before the end of the year. And I'm just trying to uh, confirm those dates and where so that we can have more of a half day kind of workshop intensive. So it really is intended for planners and professionals who want to get into the destination market and specifically who want to work in Jamaica and you know, we're going to sit down, we're going to, it's going to be a little bit of a presentation, but I wouldn't say completely formal. What I really want is to encourage a nice big Q&A. You ask, you know, what you need from your point of view as a professional. Obviously, the needs of a photographer is going to be very different from an event designer and so on and so forth. And then we have 
that kind of conversation so that, you know, I can help you to connect with who you need to connect with and how it's going to impact you coming in. There are a lot of little nuances that, you know, a florist would need to be aware of coming in that would not impact them in their local, you know, say New York or something. So that's what I'm trying to encourage is more of an intensive, more of a conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like that's worthwhile for some people who are ready to go right now. That's, uh, That's the plan. Cool. So we talked about the good. Okay. Now let's talk about the bad. And when I say the bad, what, 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 what most would be perceived to be bad, have you ran across any situations where maybe you were dealing with a bride or a series of vendors that weren't necessarily happy with your work or wasn't happy with their experience or perceived not happy with their work or perceived not happy with the experience and that type of thing? And how did you go about handling it? You know, what, what, what are your thoughts on that? I have had one or two clients who've come into Destination and, you know, at the end of the day, it's been a very hard conversation to have because they, they've said, you know, the experience wasn't what we expected. Uh, and, you know, on my part, I always take complete responsibility for that. And what generally or what has happened in both times has been working with vendors who are not as, how do I say, they don't understand the level of is working with vendors who couldn't support my brand. And a lot of the times it's, uh, it's not even so much the research, but you, you meet upon a vendor who has raw potential and you say, okay, fine, let's, let's get going with this. And, you know, you, you give it a chance, you give it a shot. One or one of those times was I, there were no options to that particular vendor. It was just, it's a very, he was just good at what he did. But at the same time, the level of work or the level of service was not there. And so, and that was a big part of the wedding. It was, you know, a a particular vendor that had a lot, it was very visible and there was a lot going on. And Mm -hmm. um, the the client experience wasn't stellar Mm -hmm. and it was, you know, hard to watch. It was on the day of. It was hard to, to see that happening and not be able to do very much to fix it in real time because, you know, it was by that time out of my hands. And regardless of how that comes about, it always, I always take that very personally because it's my client. And it's in in hindsight, that's a client that has become a very good friend. Um, This is a client that I now go to New York and I spend a weekend with upstate. This is a client who's been back to Jamaica multiple, multiple times, who know all of the staff in the property that their wedding was in and has since formed great relationships with all of the vendors. And so something, you know, good came out of that. But I guess the hard part, you can never... As much as you can try to control everything that happens, you might not be able to. And it's really important to stand up to that, take responsibility for it, see what you can do after the fact. I mean, you know, we weren't able to offer this client financially, you know, compensation back mm-hmm. after the fact. But at the same time, we were able to say, okay, fine, can you come again? I was able to, you know, connect with other vendors and be able to offer them a trip back just to smooth out things and you know an excursion and so on and so forth so it was fixed but you can't repeat a wedding day you can't do it over it's the most important thing and that's why it's so important for it to be perfect and that's why it's so important for you to know your vendors so that you know that on the day of you are getting that quality and everybody who touches that wedding understands what needs to happen because you can't you can't redo it you know and if it if any portion of it doesn't work out or doesn't go well, you know, it mars the entire experience. I agree with that. I agree with that 1000%. So I want to shift and, and ask this question. You know, we, we, we talk about on the wedding safari, you know, again, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And so I, I find that many times, you know, a lot of platforms will, will shy away from some of these tough questions. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's leveraging the mistakes that I've made, you've made, and all the guests that we bring on the show have made so that, again, you know, we can, you know, provide some of these things from happening. I want to ask this question in the photography, wedding, wedding planning, there's event planning and then you niche down, you have wedding
wedding planning that's under event planning and then under under wedding planning, you can niche down even more. What are your thoughts on niching down um, and, and, and becoming known for a specific thing? This is kind of a two-part question. When should you niche down? So I'll, I'll give you, to give context to what I'm talking about, when a new wedding photographer comes along and say, I want to be a wedding photographer, I will tell them, I want to be a photographer. I say, shoot everything, right? Find out what you like. And after you find out what you like, then start to niche down. Don't say, I want to be a wedding photographer because you think that's what you want to do. Go do it for a couple, you know, do it, go shoot a couple of weddings or assist at a, a couple of weddings before you decide that's what I want to niche down. From your perspective, from the event planning space, getting down to destiny, becoming a destination wedding photographer, you're down about three or four different levels in the niche. I'm not, I, mm-hmm. do, I don't just shoot, I just don't do events. I do weddings. I don't just do weddings. I do destination weddings. How important, or do you think it's important to start to niche down and when should you do it? That's my question. That's a good one. I think that it really depends on your space. It is important to niche down, but you need to figure out whether or not you're going to be able to survive in your space in a very narrow niche. You know, as a wedding planner, when I started out, I was a wedding planner because I was a wedding planner to local brides in Jamaica. So I was doing all wedding planning in general here. Um, so, when so, I no, so no birthday away, parties, anything like that? What about corporate and birthdays? And all, Were you doing any um, of that? Corporate, I never touched. Parties and a little more social gatherings, I did. But I ended up doing that for couples that I had already done their weddings. And then they come and say, oh, it's my daughter. Oh, I'm pregnant now. Oh, okay. you know, so it's kind of like the offshoot of, and it's hard to say to a former client, no, 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 no. I don't do one-year-old birthday parties. It's like, <laughs> all right, fine. So if, there's a little more relationship there. So yes, I did social celebrations. But it was very specific to, you know, my clientele that I'd already worked with. So I guess, yeah, that's thrown that in there. So I did that for a while. But when I moved away, I obviously didn't do local weddings anymore, local brides anymore. I was now concentrating on doing brides who are going into the island to get married. So then, you know, I kind of automatically became a destination planner just by the nature of the fact that you know, I wasn't in destination doing local weddings. And then I think I further narrowed that down to after a while, I realized that I was not as happy being a wedding planner in a, in a hotel environment. There are a lot of rules and do's and don'ts and you can't have this and this has to be done this way and we have to be finished at this time. And, you know, you only have X amount of time to use the space because we're booking a wedding every two hours and so on and so forth. And I was beginning to get a little aggravated because my clients couldn't get exactly what they wanted. And after a while, I realized that the clients that were reaching out to me were like, okay, no, 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 no. That's not what we want. We don't want a hotel wedding. What we want is you're Jamaican. You know, Jamaica, we want you to take us elsewhere. We want you to do stuff. You know, we don't want to go into a hotel. We want to go into the inner. We want to learn about the island. We want to do. And then very, I realized very quickly that even without creating, that for myself my brides were beginning to curate what they wanted my couples were beginning to say no 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 I don't want to get married enough I want to go hiking I want to go you know to Floyd's Pelican Bar and so on and so forth so I kind of realized that wait a minute you know there's something here going on so then I pretty much became a destination wedding specialist to Jamaica but my specific niche now has become doing off-property custom weddings. So I take my clients everywhere. I hardly ever do a a hotel celebration anymore unless it's I'm just doing design. So as a full service planner, I mainly take my clients off-site to do their wedding. So is it important to niche? Yes. Sometimes your niche finds you Mm -hmm. and sometimes you have to realize what your comfort zone is if you I think I probably would not have remained a hotel planner um, or an assist you know a planner that did weddings in a hotel just because I think it was just too it was narrowing the choices for my clients mm-hmm. but um, would I have you know walked out and said okay this is what I do I think my clients created that for themselves they kind of forced me into that direction okay yes it's important if your industry can support it can I do this completely and hit my financial goals yes because that is what my clients want. And especially in the last two years with, you know, millennials now hitting that wedding market age, they are a very different kind of client and they absolutely don't want to be hemmed into anything. You know, they They don't want anything inside the box. Exactly. 
And I mean, they literally, and I, I say to my clients all the time, you run me ragged. They literally want to do something else every day. Their energy is through the roof and they want to experience. I mean, Jamaica's micro ecosystem is amazing. Like you can literally get to cold, like <laughs> the Blue Mountain. If you are at the top of the Blue Mountain, you're looking at like, it could be like 19, 18, 19 degrees, right? 18, and then, degrees? Yeah, at the top in like December, January it drops, it really drops. And in within seven hours, you can be at the beach. And, you know, within another six hours, you can be in like in the hill overland, in cockpit country, almost like you're in the jungle. And there are clients who are like, yeah, this is the most amazing experience. They're on the ground for five days and they want to hit a little bit of each of this ecosystem. So it, it can be crazy. They don't want the same old, same old. So you know, getting to that point where you're so narrowly focused on your client's needs that your niche finds you, that sweet. happens. It's a sweet thing. So, yeah. so with all this ripping and running, running here, running there, you said you have children, obviously. Let's talk work-life balance. How are you able to, you know, do what you love, but keep a balance so that obviously the focus can still stay on you, your health and your, your, your vibrancy and all that kind of good stuff so you can serve them while still managing the expectations of your clients wanting to go to all five ecosystems or 20 ecosystems within Jamaica or wherever the case may be. I'm being facetious when I say that. So how so, so is, is, okay. So is work-life balance a real thing? Well, how do you, how do you do that as a planner? I don't have work-life balance. Okay. I'm the first one that will admit okay. that from still a myth. I know there's a lot of talk about, you know, how to try to figure that and it I have not found that. It's very hard for me to, there are certain things that as an entrepreneur, when your brand depends on you, when you are your brand, there are certain things that you cannot step away from. You mm -hmm. can't farm out to even your closest employee, even the person that fills your shoes when you're not around. I have found that I don't believe I have ever really taken a vacation. Okay. I've gone off the grid sometimes for a while. I've never not, I've never had probably a, like a three day period when I haven't checked my nail or looked at to see what's going on or I've never really gone off the grid. I'm not so sure if I'd want to do that either because I I don't know what to do with myself when I'm supposedly on vacation. I mean, what am I going to do? Go to the beach? I can't. I and, and that's a personal thing. That's a me thing. How I, I guess the way it works for me is there are times when there are things that I really enjoy doing that relaxes me. Mm -hmm. So I make time for those things. Um, is that work-life balance? Probably. Because it gets me, it, I get to stop. I enjoy what I'm doing. And for the most part, you know, sometimes I end up working while I'm enjoying what I'm doing. So by that, I mean, for example, I have decided that Sunday mornings should find me on the beach eating fish and lobster. That's what I do on a Sunday morning on my rock. That's my, that's my thing. Nice. I, I work all week long. So in the same way that somebody can go to brunch, mm -hmm. I can go to the beach early in the morning. And by 11 o'clock, I'm having my fish and lobster on the beach with a cold red stripe. That yeah. for me makes my, work, my week all worthwhile. It's amazing. On the other hand, when I do go off and I take some time. So in May, I'm going to be traveling for most of the month of May. I'm going to Portugal. Is it going to be all vacation? Not quite. <laughs> I'm going to be going to Portugal, but I've already reached out to planners in Portugal to say, hey, I'm going to be in Portugal and I've seen your work. And, you know, I'd love to get together for a chat over, you know, nice glass of wine. Portugal has amazing wine. I'm going to be here at this time and here at this time. And it would be great to see. So I've already reached out to photographers and planner and, and a wedding designer because I cannot fathom taking my head out of what I do and what I enjoy for, you know, three weeks. But at the same time, I'm going to be seeing something else. I'm going to be creating those relationships in the same way I tend to try to practice what I preach. If you're going into a new place, into a new destination and, you know, your destination, whatever wedding professional, then to me, it makes complete sense to mix that up a little bit. So I am going to be doing the softer side of work when I'm vacationing in May. And within luck, I'll be able to at least see 
you know, one or two setups, one of the planners has said that she is going to be working a wedding in my area when I'm there. And that for me is amazing. I like to see what happens someplace else. It's a different experience. So work-life balance, I won't say it's a complete myth, but you have to figure it out on your own. I don't know that there's any particular formula that works for everybody. Yeah. So I, I think it's a corporate term, to be honest. It's just for people who work yeah. nine to fives. And, and if you do, this is no shade to anybody who works. I think all of us at one point or still do work a nine to five. And they've coined this term of, of work-life balance. And I, I still have not found it. I've just figured out rather than try to create work-life ba- balance, I, I just decided to partner with my situation. And whatever I I turn every last one of my assignments into a quote unquote vacation. I happen to be <laughs> living there. So if I'm in Jamaica working, I'm going to spend an extra day or two just doing what I want. Okay. Collaborating or doing absolutely nothing. And that's just the way it is. But to, you know, to stop and say, we're going to put everything on hold for three to four or five days and just totally go off the grid and totally disconnect. Mm. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't quite figured that. I just figured I would just, Hey, if I'm in, you know, Bali, I'm just, we just going to chill for a few days. So thank you for answering that question. Before you, before you move on from that, I think you kind of have, you know, a little bit of a a thing going on because not only do you do it that way, you make everything fun. I cannot think of, I don't remember seeing you working and not just having a whale of a time at it. I mean, I'm I'm thinking back to New Orleans and you're just the fun dude. You're the fun guy. You're the the hangout guy. As, As long and as, you know, stressful or, you know, hard that a day is, you just, you find that hour to say, hey, let's just kick back and you know, be silly and be crazy. And it, it makes a huge, huge difference. You know, I've been trying that. I've been trying that. <laughs> I've been yeah. trying to let down my hair a little bit after every and not stay in mode of work and business and so on. And it makes a difference because it just gives me that, uh, that you know, big breath moment, yeah. which helps. You know, so you just take the pressure off. And, and I think sometimes, you know, we take ourselves very seriously because we take our work very seriously. Right. And so mm-hmm. and I think that if you can if you can find a way and this is one of the things I've, I've loved to work on, I, I've, I've worked on is taking my work very seriously, but not necessarily taking myself so seriously where I alienate everybody around me, because at the end of the day, everybody around you is doing the same thing. Right. So if you're hanging loose, but you're creating great work, it's like, well, wait. Oh, oh, so you got a belly, too. Okay. (laughs) You know, oh, you like to eat, you know, you like to drink a red stripe or Corona on the beach. Me, too. I I just thought that because you do great work or whatever the case may be, that you uptight and stuffy. It's totally the opposite. And I just think that, you know, at the end of the day, life's too short. You know, most of us have gone through a lot. And when you realize you know, that, that again, most things are just not that serious. You know, you could just hang, hang loose, be confident yeah. in the things that you need to be confident in, and then you walk out and have a good time. And that's what this podcast is about. You know, okay. have fun, live life, create the lifestyle that you want, at whatever level that you want it to be, whether it's a million-dollar status or, or beyond, or the $20,000 status, status is just being a supplemental income. It's whatever level that you choose to. And that's, that's what I really love about that. I, I didn't know you, you, you know, you recognize that about me, but I, I appreciate that. Thank you. I'll be keeping. <laughs> <laughs> so inspiration. And so, you know, recently I was in Tampa doing some work like two days ago. Um, <laughs> I was in it. I was in, I was in, I was in Tampa and wherever I go, I, I find unique ways to say, okay, how can I incorporate this into my work? What are some of the things that you do outside of the obvious, which is looking at maybe other planners or other wedding designers work to be able to help provide uniqueness for your clients or just to provide, you know, just fresh ideas. What do what do you, what do you do uniquely to be able to do that for yourself? I'm not sure. You know, I think probably a lot of other people do this, but I look outside of the wedding industry sometimes. Like I try to find elements or things that are being done in other industries and other spheres to bring, you know, something to the table. It's, you know, not always the next big, great thing that everybody catches on to, but it gives my clients something else. So I try very hard to pull from their background and what they do and who they are to bring something into what I'm doing. So whether it's the design, I spend a lot of time just on all things architecture. I mean, at this point, I will say I'm, it's been a little confusing 
sometimes about the different titles of different things. And I know lately it's been just a crazy kind of conversation in our space about a wedding designer versus a wedding planner versus a wedding coordinator. And I'm right, like, okay. OMG. I'm a wedding planner. I glory in the details, in the putting right. the stuff together, in the making sure everything happens. I'm that, that wheel that, you know, everybody else is, the bits and the pieces and the cogs, and I make sure that that wheel is well greased and, and running smoothly. Do I design? I think I've been in the space long enough that I can see what things are pleasing. I've seen many things come together. Um, I feel like they're few and far in between a very fresh, completely innovative, clean, new design. I think a lot of things are repurposed and mm-hmm. done differently. I mean, I've seen things now that used to happen in in the early 90s nobody will accept that because oh my god that's so old no 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 we're repolishing this because i've done similar things before so there are things that i can pull together for my clients once they you know give me an idea of what they're after but i don't consider myself to be so much of a wedding designer in in the way that things are trending but i can take ideas from from you know architecture and just from island style and stuff that happens here and and you know just the way we do stuff or music or or culture like you know things to infuse so i think probably that's it i borrow from everything as long as it forms a part of the background of the client mm-hmm. and i pitch it and i'm saying you know are we really going to do this? I'm I'm talking to a client now. I mean, you know, the typical spaces, people come in, they do weddings everywhere. Um, Mm -hmm. My client says, well, we don't want a traditional wedding. I don't like this whole formality. I don't know. I can't see anything that's been done before. And, you know, we just got to chatting and I thought to myself, I said, well, this might sound a little Miami-esque, but what about let's do your wedding on the water? And she's like, whoa, and I'm like, yeah, there is an island off the coast of Jamaica that's just a sandbar. It's beautiful. It's amazing white sand. It has just enough trees. Okay. And it's called Maiden Key. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. I'm like, okay, so what about we get on the boat, we cruise over to Maiden Key, you do the formalities on the boat and so on, and then we just throw down a crazy party on Maiden Key. You know? Can I get invited to that the next time? I want to come. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, we talk about that. <laughs> and so I'm saying to her, you know, it's different, but it gives you a good vibe because they're very easygoing. They're not formal. They're more, they love to party. They love to, you know, just have a Josh and just hang out. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, I said, you know, let's make it easy. Let's make it barbecue on the beach and containers of red stripe everywhere. And just, you know, and the big thing will be a nice, amazing bar at one end. And, you know, and we'll serve you all kind of roasted meats on the other end. And she's like, I'm sold. You know, so it's like she's saying I want different or party scene is what, you know, is what engaged that. Right. And so I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm, I, I'm sure probably a few other people do it that way. But, yeah, I think sometimes I step back and I try to just pick from some other industry that's not ours just to right. mix things up a little. Right. Wow. Yeah. That's that's amazing. So you know we've been going for a little over um, right out a little over an hour uh, at this point, wow. and um, and this is what happens when you get you know collaborations together. And this is nothing but a, we're, we're collaborating right now. This is what happens when you have great conversations and that type of thing. And so Safarians, if you're listening to this podcast and you've gotten to this point, you know at the end of the day, this is what it's all about. You know, and, and I'm excited about it. I want to wrap up with um, a couple different questions. And these are questions I ask everybody. And and one of which is, if you could give yourself, because, you know, we talk about the logistics of the weddings, we talk about branding, we talk about all these types of things. But the thing that we know that if we don't grow internally, then there's, there's some hurdles that we have to overcome when we first, first get started. Right. And if we don't overcome them, then you would never make it to the high ranks, the higher ranks in the business and make the bigger money in the business. If you could give the Ophelia from 20 years ago advice, knowing what you know now, what would you tell her to do differently? Oh, my God. Be more confident. Talk to I her. cannot tell you the amount of times that I have not done or stepped away from or not stepped up to a situation because I felt like I didn't know enough. I was not enough. Nobody would pay any attention. 
maybe, and I would talk myself out of so many things, so many things. And then the funny thing is I would see somebody who I felt had less information or wasn't quite where I was, you know, jump into that role or into that situation or add it in. And I would kick myself and I would say, oh my God, why didn't I be more confident? I think it is, and it's so a non-Jamaican thing to not be confident. Eh? We're, we're raring to go. We're always full of verve. You know, we're always yeah. there. But That's swag, so right? No, right? But for some reason, I just, I just felt, always felt that maybe it's because of the way I got into the industry and just kind of made it up as I went along and I thought, okay, I, I can't put this out there because I just, I don't know what I'm doing, but be more confident. I think... So- let me, let me ask you this question. So have you, here's what I found. Maybe, let me know if you found the same thing. I found that where I used to, I had these mental thoughts in my head that these, these people that I was, I looked up to, they had it all together. And then I would yes. go to their courses. I would, I would, I would, you know, attend, I would, there's a nugget in that, by the way, I would attend their courses and I would, you know, in many of these courses, one of the things that helped me to, to really fast track my career is that I would invest, you know, I treated it like it was an actual college. Right. So I right. knew over the course of a period of time, I was going to spend about thirty to forty thousand dollars in my educational more. So I would spend yeah. three to four thousand dollars to attend a weekend course or a week long course or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And then you would hear these people's stories like, oh, so you didn't know that you were doing either. So you were learning. <laughs> oh, OK. I thought that you and, 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 and it, man, that increased my confidence so much like, oh, this is all subjective. It's not about what you think about what this person thinks. It's about, do you, and you will attract everybody to you that you want to attract to you. What are your thoughts? Have you you experienced that? That's precisely it. I mean, you know, I've shared how long it's taken me to get my course out. (laughs) I have been sitting on, it's 20 years of information. I've been sitting on that for a while. (laughs) I mean, five years ago, I thought of, okay, I got to put something out there because there's nothing in the space just to fill that gap. Because I was getting the same kind of questions over and over from, you know, everybody that I talked to, oh, what about this? And we need to know this and so on. I'm like, okay, well, I have that information I can put out there. But every time I took a step forward, it was like, um, okay, maybe I'm not ready. You know, when I jumped to the, so it was just, it was, and then like now this, our space is very filled with a lot of courses and, and, you know, information and consulting and so on and so forth. And, you know, you put that out there and you see, and you see the value of what you have. And it's just, you know, just get going. I found a saying some time ago that says the essence of it is that it doesn't have to be perfect for you to put it out there, put it out there and then fix it. And not to say that you don't want a good product to go out, but, you know, stop second guessing yourself. And everybody's at the same point. It's just that some people are confident enough to get what they have out there and then begin that conversation and tweak as they go along and yeah, so, yeah, I've been doing myself a great injustice by just shrinking back from what I need to get done, but I'm fixing that. I'm fixing that. So I, I have to give a shout out to Munaluchi Bride and, and the Coterie Retreat, the, the Coterie members. Oh, my God, yes. Coterie members will, will, will be the very people that you'll see on this, on this podcast, not just them. Uh, we're going inside the industry and we're going outside the industry. And at right. the end of the day, many of these people are, they do phenomenal work, but you've never heard their names. You know, right. You've never heard their names before. And that was probably the biggest aha that I did when I, when I joined the Coterie, which is a great organization. um, You know, when you're looking to grow and and to be able to expand, if you want to get into the multicultural market, you want to get into doing more boutiques slash luxury brides and start to attract them. They do a very, very phenomenal job of attracting those uh, types of vendors um, and that type Mm -hmm. of thing. And the collaboration that you find within there will take you from a local, from just a local vendor to now starting to attract clients and brides from all over the world, all over the country. And I'm 11 testimony are from that and that type of thing. And so I say all that to say that Ophelia is a a Coterie member. She has years of knowledge and we're going to be bringing on other people, years and years and years of of, of knowledge. And again, I want to use this platform as as a means of being able to, you know, escalate 
their platform and show you know what they know because again it's information that need there's information that's out there but i think it's fluff not all of it but a good amount of it is it's very high level uh stuff and nobody's getting into the weeds of things that you really need to know that's going to prevent you from making mistakes and also to help you to catapult catapult your brand and so any last thoughts for the people for any of the for the safarians ophelia any last thoughts you want to throw out there before we wrap this thing up well i mean before we move on from munaluchi i just want to say that i am so amazed at at the community that i found with munaluchi um and the coterie and you know i'm i'm so humbled i am the munaluchi ambassador for jamaica nice. and it's just one of the most amazing things because now i get to introduce um you know the professionals here who are doing amazing high level international quality work to you know a platform for that collaboration because again you know it's always you know you're looking for your mirror person some place else where you want to work and putting those two together for me is going to be amazing introducing you know my local talent to to munaluchi coterie and introducing munaluchi coterie members that are there to our local talent and i just see that as you know it's going to be an amazing amazing new collaboration um that's just going to blow you know caribbean destination weddings out of the out of the water Dope. um so i'm i'm very you know excited about that and Dope. um you know i i yeah it's that's the collaboration that you know that we met through and i just feel like the people who are my closest friends in the industry right now are as a result of the last 2 years of you know munaluchi membership a lot of my very close industry friends are also munaluchi coterie members which has elevated you know my business and my game and my my energies and my confidence so much over the last 2 years so and i just wanted to throw that in an amazing amazing platform so yeah we're looking forward to amazing things happening in in the next year cool bangs so any last rounds before we get off here um just you know i i i guess i've got to throw that in there are we now have an association here in jamaica we just launched the jamaica wedding professionals association and that is something that's again hugely important um to me on a personal level and also to the industry as a whole um for the time being i'm i'm very very humbled to to sit as their president for this first first year and um a big part of what we want to do is create that community that resource that information space where anybody who wants to come into the jamaica wedding industry have a first point of contact where they can connect with all of the most amazing vendors on the ground that kind of a one stop shop where they can you know connect with and talk to and see who works and who can support their brand and so on and so forth so we're working to do that and we're also working on quite a bunch of collaborations to have or you know international friends come in and work with us for training and for development and so on and so forth. I'm looking at you Mr. Lawrence that motivation workshop so yes, we're going to be knocking on your door. <laughs> yeah. Very shortly about that because you know we we really need that. um but I'm I'm just so excited about all the possibilities this year of building the Jamaican wedding market through the the Jamaica Wedding Professionals Association and being that first point of contact when somebody wants to work in our island in the industry to just be able to find everybody in one place. So how can everybody find your brand? Can matter of fact can people reach out to you and ask you questions via email or um their social media? How can people get a hold of you and can they ask you questions? And how can they go about doing that? Absolutely. So for the organization uh they can find us on Instagram and on Facebook. So right now the platform um as we're brand new we have um Jamaica Wedding Professionals Association a Facebook page mm-hmm. um which you'll find a lot of that information there we also have an Instagram account Jamaica Wedding Professionals Association again and you will be able to find pretty much everything all of the information so far there we are working on um a website but we're taking our time with that to make sure that it's it's you know doing what it needs to do Um and in terms of my own brands um I have two separate brands two separate companies both of which are on 
Instagram as well. So a lot of my work you can find at the Destination Collective or Bridal Affair Destinations. Those are my brands. Mm-hmm. And both companies have websites and Facebook pages as well. So you can find us, you can find me all over. And, you know, if you don't find us from the organization, but that's what you need and you connect with me on my personal brands and companies, then I will definitely move that across. So we'll facilitate any conversations, right. you know, whether or not you're looking to work with company or the organization. So we'll make sure we put all of that information in the show notes. So if you're listening to the podcast here and you want to uh, reach out to Ophelia or any, any of the vendors are part of the JWPA, uh, Jamaican Wedding Professionals Association, um, or if you're planning a, a, any type of corporate uh, wedding and you need boots on the ground, you need hands on the ground to be able to help assist you uh, to pull off those weddings, specifically if they're outside of the, uh, uh, the hotel space, um, I think that they're going to be a great resource for you. Uh, to be able to get that going. We want to thank you again, Ophelia, uh, for, for coming on to the Wedding Podcast, the Wedding Safari Podcast. We look forward to bringing you back. Once that, that, that course is launched, we can get that promoted and get that out to everybody. And uh, lastly, sometime between October and November of 2017, we will be taking the photo basis, plan, uh, photo basis workshop to Jamaica and we'll, bring, we'll have more information here on the podcast. Yeah.